Today I want to tell you about the event. That's the title of my message. And I want us to go, first of all, if we can, to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to just show you something that's here. Um, recently, or actually a couple of years ago, uh, Jerry Cook was sent to all the four square churches in, in, our, in our organization, and, they, and he spoke on a topic called Why We Are Pentecostal. And that's a, that's a funny term, but we understand that experience to mean those that have experienced what happened on the day of Pentecost, which is when they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues like we just sang about. And this event is important. Pastor Dennis has been speaking a lot to that very point. Last week he shared on the effectiveness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many are glad to be Pentecostal? <laughs> It's a funny word. It sounds strange. If, you, if you're in the grocery line, they say, oh, you, and someone's talking to you and asking what church you go to. Oh, I'm, I'm, I go to this church. What kind of church is that? Oh, it's a Pentecostal church. Ah, you know. Weird. No, not really. There's some weird things that happen everywhere. Isn't that right? There's weird play. I mean, there's some weird things that have happened. I mean, when I was in Puerto Rico, and uh, I mean, the, the Lord was moving in, in our churches there, and we were having some great revival meetings. And it's strange, but when the Holy Spirit begins to stir up the waters, a lot of other stuff gets stirred up sometimes too, you know. And, and uh, so God had that. We, we pray. We needed discernments because sometimes you couldn't tell, is this the Lord or is this something else? And uh, so we needed discernment. And uh, I remember I was really praying, Lord, I need the gift of discernment. Lord, give me the gift of discernment. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, one meeting, because I was still young in the ministry at that time, and I, I went to an elder pastor that I said, brother, I said, I said pastor, you know, I think that, that there's something, something weird about that person over there. I, I'm discerning something weird about that man. And this pastor looked at me, he goes, you know, I think, I think you're right. There is something kind of weird Boy, I felt so good. I said, boy, yeah, I'm getting discernment now. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, there's something weird there. And he goes, you know what? There's something weird about a lot of people around here. <laughs> and he got this funny look in his eye, looking around like that. And he looked right at me and he says, and I'm beginning to wonder about you. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. Let's make a difference between the gift of criticism and the gift of discernment. Amen. But, you know, God, God wants to move. And what I want to focus on today is this Pentecostal experience. We'll call it the events. The events. And I want, to, I want to show something first of all. In 1 Peter chapter 1, with verse 8, 1 Peter 1 verse 8, it says, And whom having not seen, and whom you love, whom, though not you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And by the way, that word for joy unspeakable literally means to jump up and down for joy. So is it strange to jump up and down in church? Shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get excited. How many jump up and down at a basketball game or a football game or at a golf tournament? No, you don't, you don't, they don't jump up and down at golf tournaments, do they? Oh, well. <laughs> So he goes on to say in verse 9, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, and they prophesied of the grace. Everybody say grace. Grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ was in them did signify 
So the Spirit of Christ was moving inside of these people, stirring something up, and they were searching, and, and, and it was signifying, it was telling them something's going to happen. It was talking to them about the, the, the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. And look at verse 12. You almost feel a little bit sorry for these Old Testament saints. Look at this. In verse 12, it says, Unto whom it was revealed that not to themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. These Old Testament saints were saying this. This is the first part of my message. The title, it's coming. There's something that's coming. And they were talking about it. They said, it's, it's, it's something that they would prophesy. and say, something's coming. Days are coming. Or in that day. Or that's the things they would speak. It's something big is happening. Something great is happening. And people would probably hear them talking and say, well, what are you talking about? I don't know. But it's big and it's great and it's wonderful. But what is it? I don't know. It's not for us. It's for another people. And you know who that is? That's us. That's you and I. Is that something to be excited about? I mean, you almost kind of feel a little bit sad for these Old Testament saints that that spoke the word of God, that prophesied, that suffered great afflictions, and they gave words out God put in their mouth, and it wasn't even for them. It's for you and I. It's coming. That's what they were saying. It's coming. In Jeremiah 31, in verse 31, it starts off by saying, Behold, days are coming, saith the Lord. And Jeremiah goes on to prophesy about the new covenant. In Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, Ezekiel talks about this new heart and new spirit that God wants to give us. And and he's going to put a new spirit within us. And then he says, I'm going to put my spirit within you. Sounds like two events to me. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. And then I'm going to put my spirit within you. And it'll cause you to walk in my ways. Beautiful experience. This is the Old Testament. It's Ezekiel. And he had no idea how that was going to happen. But he, I'm sure in his heart there was a burning that was there. And it wasn't even for him. It's coming. That's what he was saying. There's an event that's coming. There's a day that's coming. Ezekiel 47. I want to look at this chapter real quick. Um, and here's something that Ezekiel prophesies. And Ezekiel... I'm so used to using my iPhone to find verses, I don't even know how to turn pages anymore. Okay, Ezekiel 47, and starting with verse 1, Ezekiel sees a vision of a river. Ezekiel 47, verse 1, he says, afterward he brought me again. This is Ezekiel. Ezekiel had some amazing experiences. He had some amazing experiences in the spirit. You have to read it. It's, it's awesome. But this time, he's being brought, and this is, he's seeing a future event. It's not something taking place in his day. This is a vision he's seeing about the future. And he says this, the, he brought me to the door of the house. This would be the house of the Lord. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. Everybody say eastward. eastward. Right. And those waters went out, and he goes on explaining how they went uh, at the south side of the altar. And then he goes on talking in the next few verses, if you take the time to read it, you'll see that he, the, the, this, this angel that's taking uh, Ezekiel into the river. 
At first, Ezekiel just steps in and gets his feet a little wet. It was up to his ankles. Then he gets in, and it's a little bit higher, a little bit deeper. And all of a sudden, that river is so deep that he can't touch the bottom. What does that mean? No more control over your own life. Someone else, the current of that water, is going to have control. Anybody, anybody ever been caught in a strong current? Anybody ever been? I was in Puerto Rico, and uh, at that time I was pastoring a church in Santorce. It was right near the beach. And I didn't get a chance to go swimming much, but one time we, some of us brothers went out swimming. And it was in the winter time, but in the winter in Puerto Rico, it's hot. How many like that, huh? That's nice. Okay, and so we were out swimming, and I heard somebody on the shore saying, hey, hey, David, you're, you're, you're drifting a little bit to the side. And I looked up, and I noticed that there's where, where we had all of our stuff. And I was over probably about 20, you know, 20 yards over. And I, so I began swimming back, and I noticed myself drifting. The next thing I knew, something pulled me down. I never felt that in my entire life. It just sucked me right down. And I tried to swim this way, but it was taking me that way. I had got caught, and I found out later on that winter is not the time to swim in Puerto Rico just because of this reason, because of the strong currents. And this current was taking me down and taking me out uh, away from the shore. And boy, I struggled. It was just a struggle enough to get Get my head above the water. You know, all I could see was the front page newspaper saying, Pastor of Santorce uh, dies swimming. I, I just, just what I wanted to see, you know. And, and, but I was being pulled out. Somehow, I don't even know how I did it. I managed to keep my head up enough to swim to shore. But I learned the respect for water currents. And that probably wasn't even the strongest of them all. But when you get into that river, which direction does that river flow? Eastward. When you get into the place where it's deep enough, where your feet aren't touching the ground anymore, let the current take you eastward. Let the Holy Spirit move your life. Now, that's a a difficult thing. Everybody likes to have control of things, right? How many would love to have more control over your finances? How many of you know it's not going to happen? Okay. All right. Now, well, anyway, we're having kingdom economics, so maybe it will happen. By the grace of God, it will happen. That's one of our summer sizzling series, kingdom economics. But the fact is, is that this is what God wants to do. And Ezekiel was prophesying about a people that were going to be in a river that would move them. Now, the word eastward, just that thought itself, when anytime you think of, the, uh, of east in the Bible, it's referring to the coming of the Lord. The dawn of a new day. The sun rises in the east. And one of the things the Holy Spirit's doing in our hearts, if we let him lift our feet up and we get out into the waters deep enough where we're not trying to take control of our own life, we'll find that he's drawing us closer to a love for his soon appearing. He's coming back soon, isn't he? Let God stir that up in our hearts. But that's what Ezekiel spoke about. Let me take you to my next, there's four parts of my message. The next part is we come into the New Testament And in the New Testament, and this is my my next title would be, Someone's Coming. The Old Testament was saying, it's coming. It's a coming. What is it? We don't know, but it's coming. Jesus came. John the Baptist came first and announced that someone was going to come and say that someone's coming. Let me say that again. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, John the Baptist was a forerunner. He was just a voice. And he spoke, and his message was to prepare the way for Jesus Who was going to prepare the way for someone else? Let me show you that. In John chapter 1 and verse 33. In fact, all all four of the Gospels 
talk about this. And here in John chapter 3, and I'm sorry, John chapter 1, here's John the Baptist speaking. In verse 33, it says this. I knew him, I'm sorry, start in verse 32, I'm sorry. In verse 32, and John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining, I like that word remaining, can you all say that with me? Remaining on him, the same as he which is going to do what? Baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So John came announcing that Jesus was coming to prepare us for the event, the coming of the Holy Spirit. What was Jesus' purpose? Well, he came to die on the cross for us. He came to pay the price for our sins because without that, Without his, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We needed that first. We needed salvation. We needed the new birth. All of that to be able to become what God wants us to become at the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The event is what I'm talking about today. So in the Old Testament, they're saying, it's coming. That is coming. It's coming. John says, someone's here, and he's going to tell you about someone who's coming. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is coming. In fact, he said, Jesus said, I've got to get out of here before he can come. Let's look at, I want to look, if we can, in Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 9, first of all. Mark 9, before I get ahead of myself. Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom is in your midst because Jesus was right there with them. The kingdom was being manifested. But he also spoke about a future time when the kingdom would come with power. In Mark chapter 9, just before his transfiguration, Jesus makes a profound statement. Not everybody uh, understands this statement. Some commentaries refer to different things. But uh, I'd like to, uh, to, to state that what he's speaking about here is that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came with power. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 1, it says this, And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them which stand here, right where Jesus was, there's some of you standing right here that will not taste of death until they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And I believe that's speaking, a lot of commentators will say the same thing, that's speaking about the day of Pentecost when the, day, when the day of Pentecost came, Jesus actually, the disciples wanted to know, when's the kingdom going to take place? When is this going to happen? And Jesus said, well, the times aren't in my hands. But he said, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. And he talks a lot about the kingdom of God and about the Holy Spirit. Look with me in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, starting with verse 2. It says, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Now, this is a very interesting thing here. John chapter 7, starting with verse 2. Then verse 3, his brethren therefore said unto him, now this is Jesus' own flesh flesh and blood brothers, okay? His brothers said to him, depart hence 
and go into Judea that your disciples can see the works that you do. For there is no man that does things in secret. You see, in verse 5, his brothers weren't even believing in him. Even Jesus' own brothers weren't really believing who he was. So they're kind of like almost kind of mocking him. An interesting portion of scripture. Kind of saying, Jesus, go on, go on up to Judea so your disciples can see all the things. Why are you hiding down here? Go up and show yourself. Well, look what Jesus says. Verse 6. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. <laughs> and he goes on. Verse 8. Go ye up into the feast. I go not up unto this feast, for my time is not full come. Now, the feast that we're referring to here is the Feast of Tabernacles. But the, the Feast of Tabernacles happened in the seventh month. And I just want to point out something that, that that's, makes this whole chapter unique, very unique. In this chapter, Jesus does go, even though, even though Jesus said, my time is not yet, he does go to the Feast of the Tabernacles, and he arrives there, and he's there on the very last day of this feast or festival. It was a seven-day festival, and basically, it was something that was established in the Law of Moses, in Leviticus 23, you can read about it, and the whole purpose of this feast in the seventh month was to celebrate the fact that the Jews came out of came out of Egypt and lived in tents. In fact, God often reminded his people Israel, even I, God says, even I lived in a tent with you. God tabernacled with them there. So this was a feast to celebrate that. And that what the people would do in Jerusalem, they'd all come for this feast, and they'd all have their tents, and they would camp out in the streets in tents. Then every day the priest would go to one of the springs of water and he'd bring down a pitcher, a golden pitcher of water, and it'd be like a big parade. He'd take that pitcher of water and he would bring it down and he would pour it on the altar. He would do that on day one. Then day two, the parade would start all over again. And he would come down with a pitcher of water. And the idea was remembering not only that they lived in tents, but the fact of how they had water in the wilderness, you don't find water in a desert, do you? Not many deserts have water in them, not, not that you can get to. How did they get water in a desert? Who remembers? The rock. The rock. It says the rock that followed, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says the rock that followed them was Christ. And so in that rock, Moses took his rod, and out of that rock came water. So the two things they celebrated was one living in tents, and secondly, the, the, the water that came out of the rock. And that's why he brought the water and poured it down at the altar. And on the seventh day, the priest brought down seven pitchers of water and poured it at the altar. And everybody's watching. It's a celebration of time. And he would pour the seven pitchers of water. And it's interesting that when Jesus comes to this feast, and if you look at me in verse 37, remember, what are they celebrating in the Feast of Booths? They're celebrating the, the, the tents, the booths, the, the tabernacles that they lived in in the wilderness for those 40 years, and they're celebrating the water that came out of the rock, remembering how God gave them water. And so they were celebrating this for seven days. Now Jesus, now if you look at verse 37, look what happens. Look what the, the meaning that comes out of this verse. In verse 37 it says, in, that, in the last day, that's the seventh day of the feast, and the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. One translation says, he stood and he shouted. 
What is he shouting about? I want you to think about it just for a minute. Here's Jesus watching them celebrate, living in tents, watching the priest bring this pitcher of water as, as a in memory of what happened in the wilderness. And all the time he's thinking, just like what Paul says, if you can show 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, this is what Paul says. The rock that followed them was Christ. He was watching them celebrate that rock, celebrate the water that comes out of the rock. I don't think he could, he could contain himself anymore. He had told his disciples, my time's not come yet. Uh, he said, you go on up to the feast. My time's not come yet. But watching these people for however many days he had been there, now the last day, he couldn't take it anymore. He, says, he, he said, uh, he stood and he cried out. And what does he say in John 7, verse 37? If any man thirst." Let him come unto me and drink. I'm the rock. Can't you see it? That's what Jesus is saying. I'm the rock. I'm the rock that water comes out of. Come unto me and if you're thirsty, that, that little remembrance, that little memorial you're doing, that's only to get you thirsty for the real waters of life. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. They had no idea what he was talking about. Come to me and drink. Now, when the disciples heard this, I don't think they even fully understood it. But let's go on. Let's read Jesus' words together. The last part there. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. In the next verse. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, I don't know if the disciples even understood this. But in parentheses, go to the next verse. In parentheses, John, who was inspired to write this gospel, he makes it clear, now we get it. Because he wrote this, of course, after Jesus had risen from the dead, after he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then John wrote this gospel. And he says this. Let's read this verse together. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. There's another one. There's someone coming. The Old Testament saints said, that's, that's coming, and that's coming. It's going to be here soon. Jesus said, someone's coming. Someone's coming. Go with me to John chapter 14. In John chapter 14. And these chapters are beautiful chapters. John chapter 14 and verse 16. These are the last words that Jesus had with the disciples. And how many know the last words someone's going to give you are probably the most important ones to listen to? These are beautiful chapters. The abiding in the vine, his prayer in, verse, in chapter 17. One of the things you might want to do just as a Bible study point, you might like to do this. Take three different colors one for the Father, one for Jesus, one for the Holy Spirit, in color. Color where they're, named, where they're referenced in these, th- in these three, three or four chapters. And you know what? You'll find everywhere you'll see the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You can do the same thing in Revelation. You'll see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But John 14, starting with verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Another means while Jesus was with them, he was their comforter, right? Another helper, one translation says, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and he shall be where? 
in you. He's with you right now, Jesus was telling his disciples. He's with you. He's, you. You feel him. You see that things happening. Just because I'm here, you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's with you, but he shall be in you. In verse 20, he goes this. He says this. At that day, kind of like what the Old Testament saints were saying, pointing to that day. That's coming. It's coming. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. I want to look quickly at a parable in Matthew 13, and I need three volunteers along with my daughter. i got to use her. But I need three volunteers real quickly. Anybody want to help me? Yeah, come. Okay, good. Okay, how about if I tell you I have a reward if you come? Come, Rick. Yeah, come, come. All right, good, good, good. I got three. Come on, Rick. Yeah. Okay, I need you up on stage there, okay? I want you to look at Matthew 13 where Jesus talks in the parables of the kingdom. Remember, he's, even the Lord's prayer is, what's the Lord's prayer saying? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth in my life just like it's in heaven. That's the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, to bring the kingdom life inside of us. That's the purpose of that day of Pentecost. That's the purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's the event that has been prophesied about all throughout the Old Testament. The event when the Holy Spirit came. And you and I are the blessed ones to live in this day. Can you say amen? amen. All right, now I got something for all, all four of you here. And I really, do have a, I really do have a reward for them when they're done here, okay? Okay, this is for Abigail. Now, you'll need to come over here a little bit so they can all see. And we're going to have a little contest here. Hold on. Don't, don't, don't play with it yet. I know it's exciting. I mean, when was the last time you had Play-Doh, right? <laughs> okay. Come a little closer. so Because the people have to watch, and you guys have to help me judge here real quick. Because uh, but before, just kind of restrain yourself. Don't, don't, don't get excited with it, okay? I know, I know it's been a while, Rick, since you've, you know... Okay, but Matthew 13, 33, I want to show you something here. This is a beautiful parable, and it refers to the filling of the Spirit in our lives. And I want you to understand what the Holy Spirit has come to do in our lives. We're, I'm jumping a little bit ahead to my third point, but I want you to see something here. Very simple verse. It says this. Read it with me. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven, now he's not talking about heaven, by and by when we're going to get there one day. He's not talking about a future thing. He's talking about an experience that begins at the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me explain. He says it's like the kingdom of heaven is like unto what? Okay, what's another word for leaven? Someone help me out with that. Yeast. That's right. How many make bread? Yeah? Well, I, wish, I wish the Penzos were here. How, how many have shaken hands with Zach Penzo? Anybody shaken hands with Zach? Do you know how many? How many you know Penzo's Pizza? We, they're members of our church are their daughters at, in the Knight Academy. And, and uh, boy, when you, shake, when you shake, shake Zach's hand, just be careful. He's got strong hands. Do you know why he has strong hands? Because he works with the dough. And you've got to work with that dough. No, don't, just wait. Wait over here. Okay, don't, don't squeeze yet. Okay. okay. And the reason for this, see, I've, I've made, uh, I, I have a little bread maker. I cheat because I don't have the time to do all you know, that stuff. And, and one time I forgot to put the leaven in. Well, it mixed the dough all up and it cooked. It smelled so, oh, I could hardly wait to eat the bread. When, it, when the thing rang and it was all done and cooled off, I took it out, pulled it out and boom, rock on the table. It's a giant 
four-inch cracker is what it was, okay? <laughs> and and uh, so you need the leaven, the, the, whole, the word leaven actually in the Hebrew language means to rise up. To ri- Who is it that raised up Jesus from the dead? Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. Oh, talk about leaven. And that's what makes the bread rise. But it's important that you don't just get a little touch uh, a, little, like, like, a little touch of that leaven just in one spot. If you just have the leaven in one spot of the dough, the whole thing is not going to, it's going to be uneven. It's not going to work right. That's why God has engineered things to happen in our life where he works that leaven into our lives. Now, here's the contest. I have hidden some leaven in their lumps of dough. We have three lumps of dough, and then there's my daughter's also. You guys have a challenge, okay? Let's see how long it takes. When I say go, I want to see who can turn the color yellow dough into another color by squeezing. Let's see what happens. Go! Go, 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 go. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Cleaning crew is going to come later on this week. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Now, it has to be just one. We don't want to see different colors. We just want to see one color, okay? Only one color. Abigail, come on. What's wrong with you? She's really, I don't know what's up with her. Come on, squeeze it, Abigail. Just try. I mean, come on, come on. Are we getting... No, hers, hers hasn't even changed color yet. She, she's working on it, but hasn't even changed color yet. Come on, come on. What's happening now? Well, I tell you, this guy here, he's got a handle on it. Rick, and, how are you doing there? She's, she's just being nice to it. That's good. That's okay. That's good. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. That's a lot of work. Can you picture this, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives? He wants to change every part of us. Notice it was three lumps of dough. From that verse in Matthew 13, it was three lumps of dough and speaks about body, soul, and spirit. Oh, no, a little bit more, a little more. It's not, it's, oh, no, I still see, I see some yellow in there. I don't know what's up with it. How you doing, Rick? Oh, Rick's is getting nice, smooth color. Wow, Rick. Maybe he does play with Play-Doh and we don't know about it. <laughs> He's got a method there. All right. Okay, just go ahead and show us what you got there. Okay, who do you... Th- let's, let's, let's go by, by... You clap the loudest for the... Okay, let's, let's start over here. Uh, let's clap for her. She did pretty good. Okay. Well, his is his pretty good. A little better, a little... Rick's is completely green. Can you believe that? Everybody go boo to Abigail. I'm sorry. Well, you know, here's the problem. Abigail didn't have any leaven inside of hers. She went through the same situation, the same squeezing in her life as the other three, but without the leaven of the Holy Spirit. And so the changing just made her look different, made the ball go out of shape. Oh, they're cleaning up. Oh, give them a hand. That's just awesome. But that's what Jesus is talking until the whole thing is leavened. And don't forget, what do you do with bread after it's all leavened? No, you don't. No, you don't. What do you do with bread after it's leavened? Come on, help me with this, huh? You bake it. There you go. And you do- and how many know God has a good Holy Ghost furnace to put us in also? Lots of fire. He's going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost. You know, I did say I was going to give him a gift, except for my daughter. She didn't do very good on hers. There you go. 
a $5 gift certificate to Wendy's, which plays Christian music here in New Philadelphia. Give them a hand. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Now, I, I, that illustration to me that Jesus gave is powerful because it shows what the Holy Spirit's come to do. Well, we got wipies for you there, guys. We, 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 we know what... We know what Plato's all about here, okay? Okay, well, I'll tell you. You guys missed a few spots up here. That's okay. <laughs> but that's what the Holy Spirit's come to do. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of heaven's like. But it's the Holy Ghost comes in, but it's not enough just to come and have him there. And as a, as a resident, he wants to come in as president. Can you say amen to that? And letting him have control of our lives. Allowing that river to, to move out into that river where we're not touching the ground anymore. We're saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. And then he changes us. Now, I put Abigail there as hers without leaven on purpose because, you know, people in the world go through the same kind of suffering you and I do sometimes, don't they? Right? Don't just think, well, I'm a Christian and God doesn't like me. That's why I'm going through all these punishing me. No, no. People in the world go through all kinds of trials. Oh, but what a difference when you have the Holy Ghost inside. Amen. Amen? Change takes place. There is a powerful event. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look with me in Acts chapter 1 real quickly. And Acts chapter 1, this is what Jesus said. Remember I told you that uh, we have someone's coming. John came to say someone's coming to tell you someone's coming. Of course, Jesus not only just came to tell us, he came to make the way by paying the price with his own blood for us to be born again. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he came to do all that so that we can receive what God has for us. Acts chapter 1, Jesus said this, because the disciples wanted to know, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus says this, Verse 4, sorry, yeah, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Um, he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. And then he explains what that is. What is the promise of the Father for all of his children? Verse 5. Let's read this together. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And he told him to wait. Now the disciples had no idea what was going to happen. Jesus didn't give them a, a brochure of how to, how to receive the Holy Spirit. They had, they had no idea. They didn't even, they'd heard him mention about speaking in tongues once, but I don't know if he spoke to them privately more about it. But they didn't know that was, didn't know all the ins and outs of it. But boy, when that power came, it changed their lives. Jerry Cook makes this statement, which I think is important. Listen to me. He said this. Uh, and in fact, there's a book that uh, Foursquare sent out to all the pastors uh, about uh, Pentecost. What's the big deal? The baptism in the Holy Spirit, what's the big deal? And he explains there is a big deal about receiving the Holy Spirit. There's a big deal. It's important. Jerry Cook says this, the cross of Christ was powerful. It's called the power of the cross. The resurrection was powerful. But neither one of those events empowered anybody. Because when Jesus rose from the dead and until the day of Pentecost, where were his disciples? They were hiding. They were afraid when he was taken to the cross, they went and hid. 
And then, uh, after his resurrection, they were still hiding, going fishing and all kinds. It didn't impact. Those experiences were necessary for the Holy Spirit to be able to come. But what came to empower us is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the holy, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Now, my third part of my message, real quickly, is Acts chapter two. We won't go through all the verses here, but when. The Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that happens today. Amen. And the people asked, they said, well, what does this mean? What's taking place? When all the people were gathered around, what's going on here? Peter stood up. He's empowered now. He didn't have the power before, but now he's empowered by this experience. And he stands up and he begins to quote scripture. I don't think even Peter, Peter didn't even know how to read. Think about that for a minute. He was, the Bible says he was ignorant and unlearned. If you read in the King James in Acts chapter 4, Peter was ignorant and unlearned. But all of a sudden, he's quoting scripture. And he says this, and this is my third point, in verse 16. This is that, verse 16. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it will come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall dream, shall see visions. And well, there's even a place for old men here. <laughs> They're going to be dreaming dreams. But don't you see in that verse right there, this is that. This is the day that's come. This is that. And he says it starts with the young people. How many believe that? And I'm believing God during our kids' zone experience down there as we begin. And I believe God wants you to be a part of it. This is not just that thing over here and this thing over here. I think eventually we might have to swap. Kids here, you guys can go down there, okay? God's going to move. God moves in children's lives when we begin to expect it. Sunday school and, and, and children's church and ministry at the church is not just to give them Bible teachings. That's a good part of it, but that's not the goal. The goal is to get them connected in, to get the power into their lives, to see a difference. They can begin to experience Christ. They can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? I believe that. I've seen that happen. My first experience in, in ministry, and I was in Washington, D.C., they, they, they put me in a Christian school as a teacher there, uh, uh, help, more of a helper than a teacher. And I was there, and we had some beautiful times. We had lots of, you know, it's amazing. Kids can be spiritual and even prophesying. I've seen that. But maybe like 10 minutes later, they're <laughs> punching each other. <laughs> you know, it's all right. It's all right because God, God, God is putting his spirit upon them and teaching them things we could never teach them with our mouth. And I've seen God baptize children with the Holy Spirit. I've seen children slain in the Spirit, and they're not pretending. They're not just doing it. They're experiencing it. In our, some of the, our revival meetings there, we had such beautiful experiences that during our break time, and, and this, is, this is very serious, happened for several weeks at a time. There were times when the kids did not want to go to recess, they wanted to go to the prayer room. Now, how many know that's a miracle? Yeah. They wanted to go to a prayer room. And I remember there was one, one little boy that got into, he got into some trouble. He got angry at a friend, and, and I, I think he maybe hit him or something, and, 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 and we had to say, okay, his name was Calman. I said, he said, Calman, now you know we have to, we have to you know, do something about this. We're going to have to... At that time, we, we did something unthinkable. We made him stand in a corner. Isn't that horrible? How many ever stood in a corner before? Okay. 
Well, we put him in the corner, and, and uh, I, think I, I think I forgot. It was actually a room uh, we had, had there for some other kids, too. And he was standing in the corner, and, and I kind of, I guess I kind of forgot how long he was standing there. And when I went back, he was in tears, crying. I said, oh, my God, I've left him here too long. <laughs> He's overcooked, you know. I, what am I going to do? And I went over, I said, Calvin, are you okay? He goes, he goes I, I just saw something. And I said, what did you see, Calvin? I said, Calvin, he said, I saw, I, I saw Jesus and I saw how they were, they, were, they were hitting him and they were poking him and they were doing things to him just like I did to my friend. And I realized Jesus did that for me and he was weeping and crying. He was only about eight years old. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit can communicate the gospel far more than any of us could ever imagine? The Holy Spirit can make Jesus real to these children when we allow him to do it, when we believe together. And I think as a church, as God raises us up with, in this river that's flowing, as God raises us up and we experience more of this event that God has brought us into, we're going to see it manifested in our children also. We really are. I, there's so many stories. There was a time when a girl, when, during our time, we would have devotions, we'd just start singing. Sometimes that devotion time in the morning would go on for a couple of hours because the kids were weeping and crying. One girl had a vision. She came and she said, she said, teacher, I had a vision. I said, what was it? She goes, well, I'm afraid to tell you. She's, I said, well, come over here. And she, I said, tell me what this vision was. She says, well, I saw another teacher. In this vision, I saw this other teacher was doing this and this and this. And there's no way she would have known that. She didn't even know exactly what she was saying. But other teachers we knew. And we went over and we asked that teacher in private, were you doing this? this? He says, yeah. Oh, and he fell down broken. It was, God, it was scary when God moves, right? <laughs> scary when God moves. But he does that. He does that. I don't want, I got some verses up there. I don't have time to get into them. But I, did Pentecost in the book of Acts, it just didn't happen in Acts chapter 2. Oh, take some time and look at these other three portions. Acts chapter 8. When Philip went down to Samaria, interestingly, he got people saved and he got people baptized in water, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. So they sent Peter and John down because Peter and John had a better ministry? No. It just shows how God wants us to cooperate sometimes. It's not that one person can do this and one person can do another. God wants us to work together. Acts chapter 8, you'll see that when Peter and John came, it says, and Peter and John came down and prayed for, they laid hands and prayed for them that they might be able to receive the Holy Spirit and they began to receive. In Acts chapter, beautiful, beautiful place. Again, Pentecost occurring again in those people in Samaria. And then in Acts chapter 10, the story of Cornelius. Peter went there saying, you know, I'm not even supposed to be in a dog's house like yours. You know, you know, Jews, Gentiles, you're dogs, and we're the Jews, we're the people of God, and you're just dogs. I shouldn't really be here. He wasn't using those words, but that was the phraseologies that pretty much the Jews referred to about anybody from any other nation. And Peter's there only because God had given him a vision that he said no to three times. And then a spirit speaks to him. And then people knocking at his door. Finally, he says, I better just go. This is getting crazy here. He goes and he begins to preach before he gets a chance to finish his message. They began speaking in tongues. Peter and, and those of the circumcision, the Jews were there saying, oh, is this allowed? Of course it is. It was God's plan. It was the event of all time that had been planned. Read it. 
They began speaking with tongues, and Peter says, if they receive the Holy Spirit like we did, then they've got to get baptized in water too. And God sent the gospel, used Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And then Acts chapter 19, Paul finds some disciples in Ephesus. He knew they were believers, but he asked them this simple question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we know not, I like King James, we know not whether there be a Holy Spirit. (laughs) And then Paul says, well, let me tell you something. And he speaks to them, shares with them. They get baptized in, in water. They come up out of the water. They begin speaking in tongues as Paul prays for them. And prophesying, you can see it there. So Pentecost continues. But my fourth point, which I'm going to wrap things up with this. The fourth point, say it with me, that's all for this. Now we said this is that, but now we're saying that's all for this. And what, I'm explaining, what I want to explain in this point, I give credit to Ola because we were there visiting with her this week, and there's a verse that Ola can say by memory and quite a few other verses. And she shared a verse with me and my wife when we were there. And what was that verse? I hasn't seen. Amen. I want to explain something. The Holy Spirit does this in our life, not as the final uh, event, but the event that begins to prepare us for the real purpose, and that's to be the bride of Christ. If, look with me in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What's up there? Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you see that word things? Can you all say things with me? That's an interesting word because you have to use some imagination to figure out what those things are. I think there are things that are just so far beyond our imagination that we could never picture what they really are. This is exactly what Paul's trying to say. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't even entered the heart of man, the things. Even Paul couldn't describe exactly what it all was. The things. He even had an experience where he went up to the third heaven. He said he saw things that's not legal for him to talk about. All the, uh, one day we're going to know those things, right? I'm looking forward to that. But I want to show you something what the Holy Spirit does right now. Because all of that was for this. In verse 10, but God... Let's read this together, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Oh, the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus even said when the Holy Spirit's come, he's not going to talk about himself. Just like when Jesus came, he didn't talk about himself. He talked about the Father. Holy Spirit came. He didn't talk about himself. He talked about He's going to talk about Jesus. He said, he's going to take, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to take of mine and show it unto you. And he will tell you things to come. Tell you things to come. Doesn't mean he's going to tell you what's going to happen next tomorrow. Things to come are these things that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither into the heart of man. Things of eternity. The Holy Spirit can give us tastes and even a taste of the powers of the world to come. Just a taste. Holy Spirit can make heaven more home to us because that's the purpose, to prepare us for that. This, all of, all of that is for this. And 
He goes on talking about in verse 12, now, the, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And if you go into the book of Revelation, I just don't have time to see everything, but if you read chapters 2 and 3, you see how the Holy Spirit cooperates in Revelation. The, the Holy Spirit works with the church. When Jesus was here, he said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. But in Revelation, he that has an ear to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches, plural, because it's talking about church families, not the body of Christ church, but the church, church families, like the Dover Foursquare church family. What's the Holy Spirit? How many know that he can be speaking something to us specific for our church family and something else for the church family down the street? So what they're preaching down there is awesome. But if that's not my family, I better find out what he spoke here. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's why, to me, one of, the, one of my passions for creating the church website uh, was just really for that. I wanted to get the messages available out there. I want to know. <laughs> I want to see God's word out there. But I want to know what God's speaking. And I want people that maybe can't make it to church or for whatever reason, they can hear what God's saying, to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. Speaking in Revelation 2 and 3, there are seven churches, and each one there's a revelation of Jesus that the Holy Spirit gives to that church, what that church needs for them to be what God wants that specific church family to be. And if that church hears what the Spirit is speaking to that church family, and they're aware of it, and they're working in it, and they're letting the Holy Ghost take that Play-Doh and move it around and squish it around in their lives, when they're taking that word, not just any word that they hear on TBN or, or on the radio somewhere, but the word for our church family, when we take that word and we hear it and we let it God work it in our lives, oh, the Bible says we're going to be overcomers. And there's rewards spoken there throughout chapter 2 and 3. And I want to take you to Revelation 19. i got two more verses I want to share with you because all of that... Peter says, this is that, but all of that is for this. Revelations chapter 19. This is the second part of Amy, Amy Semple McPherson's message, right? Her famous book. How many have read that book by Amy Semple McPherson, This Is That? If you haven't, get a hold of it. It's awesome, her stories and testimonies and what God did. But Peter said, this is that. And what I'm sharing today is all of that is for this. Revelation 19, starting with verse 6, the last part of verse 6, is there's these voices in heaven. Voices in heaven. Thunder, great multitude, voice of many waters, thunderings. And John heard this. Let's read that last part. Hallelujah. Say that with me. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And then go on to verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Why? What's happening? What's the event now? For the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Just like that Play-Doh all being squished, making ourselves ready, letting the Holy Spirit become so worked into our lives that Bible says they that are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. There's a, a blending of character in our lives that begins to take place. And she's made herself ready. Let's go on. It says in verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen and white. And the fine linen is the righteousnesses of the saints. And if you go to Revelation chapter 21, here is 
that. All of that was for this. Here is the this we're talking about right now. Revelations chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, this is after everything's over. The millennium is over. All the other things that are just preludes to it all. It's all over. Now, the real event begins. Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then on down in verse 9, the last part of verse 9, the angel takes John and says, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, of the, the, bride the lamb's wife. In verse 10, the angel took John to a great and high mountain and showed him the city. So the city's a bride. The bride's a city. Verse 11, having the glory of God. And finally, go with me. To, we'll finish with this verse. And let's all stand as we read it. <laughs> Revelations 22 and verse 12. All of that is for this. Revelations 22. I'm, yeah, chapter 22 and verse 12. Jesus says this. These are the final words. He says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me <clears throat> to give every man according as his work shall be. You know, as that river takes you eastward, one sign that you're getting in the flow of that, that eastward flow of the river is that you're looking for the coming of the Lord. You're looking for it. Things down here are, we got to do it, we got to do it, but it's getting dimmer. And those things are getting more real. And again, talking about it's the Holy Spirit that's doing this in our lives because what do we see in verse 17? What's that blending of the Spirit's work in our lives? That blending that takes place, that working of the kingdom until you can't see the difference. And that blending, though, where now it's the grace, it's the Spirit of God, the character of Christ has been formed in us. And together, now even with one voice, they that are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. Now with one voice, in verse 17, it says this. Let's read this together. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. I'm going to make an altar call, but this is for Everybody. And if you could, I'd like you all just to come forward just for a few minutes in closing here. And I want us to pray. Just gather up together. We're a church family. And I want us to make this our prayer today. Take the hand of the person next to you. We're a church family here. Today, if you have not been born again if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. If you've never had the blood wash away sins, oh, today is the day. Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Today, now, is the time of grace. Oh, and all you got to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. You died for me. You rose again for me. Your blood was shed for me. Jesus, come into my life. The Bible says we'll be born again into God's family. And if you've been born again and 
you've not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, oh, today is the day. Or for your children, are you praying for your children to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I know I am. During our last youth lock-in, uh, one of my daughters, Priscilla, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit right in that meeting. Oh, that was a great experience for me to see that. My older two children, David and Abigail, have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now Priscilla, still got a few more to go. But I'm believing. I'm believing God's going to do that because that's the event to prepare us for that final day. So lift up your hands right now. Lift up your neighbor's hand. Take your hands in yours and just lift up for a second. And let's just sing the chorus of the song and say, Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down on my life. Rain down on my, on my brother's life, on my sister's life next to me. Let the Holy Spirit come. Let's make this our final prayer as we close today. Sing it together. Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down. Oh, comforter and friend. How we need your touch again. Holy Spirit, rain down. Powerful, let your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts as we stand on your word. Holy Spirit, rain down. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap offering today. He's here. Because you're going to do it, Lord. Father, as we leave this place, Lord, we leave with an investment of your word and of your spirit, Lord. We're here today, and we really do want to have those ears to hear what the spirit is saying. Not just a message here and there, but Lord, what are you speaking to our church? To us right here, this Dover Foursquare family. Thank you for letting us hear in these days, for letting us move in it. Let that river rise. We've been hearing about a rising of that river in these past months, and we can feel it, Lord. Help us not to hang close to the shores, but help us to launch on out into the deep and, and allow you to have the control in our lives that you really want to have. Work in us. We thank you for doing it in Jesus' precious name. And the Dover Foursquare Church family says, Amen. 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 God bless you all.